You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Thursday edition of the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. On today's episode of the podcast, we're going to break down the uh, Pac-12 unveiling of the TV schedule for men's basketball and talk a little bit more about the roster, how the team looks uh, in terms of the first year under Craig Smith's tutelage. We'll also talk about a certain Utah football player making a watch list that might not be so expected or perhaps... uh, a name that folks might recognize but don't even realize why they know it. And we'll talk about what to expect from the University of Utah football team moving forward as they head as they end their bye week and start preparation for USC. All that coming up on today's episode of the Locked On News Podcast for September 30th, 2021. Hello, my Utah friends and family. This is Brian Brown, your co-host here on Locked On Utes uh, as part of the Locked On Podcast. Now we're coming to you solo today as our good friend Jake Hatch is handling some business. Otherwise, uh, he is a busy, busy man and he has many leather bound books. His apartment is, well, Jake doesn't live in an apartment, but wherever it is that he lives smells of rich mahogany. Uh, and and likely grilling accessories because I think Jake has more grills and smokers than just about anybody I know outside of Mr. Smoking Ute. Anyways, uh, wanted to start things off talking a little bit about how the Pac-12 released the TV schedule for the upcoming men's basketball season and where things slot for the University of Utah. Uh, interesting to note that in his comments with the Utah media, Coach Craig Smith mentioned that he didn't love the youth schedule, but they were looking forward to playing it, if that makes any sense. I think what has happened with this team and with this squad is that, uh, you know, Craig Smith knew what he needed to talk about coming in. He had all those uh, all those bullet points and everything like that. And they tried to go to work at building a schedule that was going to meet fans' expectations, and it hasn't. And so now he's in... I don't know necessarily that this year anybody's going to hold his feet to the fire in terms of not building a perfect schedule. It was early. It was on the fly. They weren't able to get a lot of the things that they really, really wanted um, on that schedule. But uh, at the same time, uh, you know, I think this is this is the reality now is that everybody loves to talk a big game when you come into something, and then when you actually have to build a schedule, it gets a little bit more tricky. And I don't think there's a lot of teams out there that really want to give Utah a chance. Um, Now, whether that's because previous regime has made it difficult for them to schedule, um, it's just, you know, and I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how basketball works in comparison to football. Obviously, they're not scheduling games 10 years in advance. You have to play BYU. Uh, there's always this discussion about Utah State and how that should work. And I don't know that there are clear answers to a lot of that stuff. I think basketball scheduling is a lot more different than football. And uh, I know that there are a lot of people out there that feel like they have the answers in, in how it needs to be done. But I think the, the, the difficulty is, is do you schedule to build a better team 
so that you have a chance to compete for the conference championship and thus make it into the NCAA tournament? Or do you schedule, do you have a better chance to make the NCAA tournament and just hope that the team develops along the way? I think it's, I, I really do believe that it's two separate conversations to have that. You know, I, this this is not a program that's pulling in four- and five-star guys, and, and, and really they're introducing a ton of new guys to the fold. There are some promising, uh, you know, developments in recruiting. I think Zach Keller is a big, uh, big hopeful uh, possibility for the University of Utah. But also I think, you know, uh, Colin Chandler, who, who it felt like at the time had a very, very strong lean towards Utah, is now just basically being recruited by everybody. And listen, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast for over a year, you knew how much we loved Colin Chandler here on the Locked on Utes podcast. So this shouldn't really come as a surprise to anybody uh, in, in our um, in our world. Uh, you know, some of the other guys that they have offered for 2022, for example, um, uh, Bobby Clintman, you know that that's not going to happen. That was the one that we really liked. RJ Godfrey, six seven swing man from Georgia. He's a three star. I think that's one that's looking promising. You know Jackson Kohler, uh, who was a local kid, moved to California for his senior years, now going to Michigan State. So it's it's he's off the board as well. Uh, but Chandler is just it, his his recruiting has skyrocketed. He's now a point nine eight six zero four star recruit. Now, how does all this play into the the scheduling? We'll get to that, um, but currently, you know, he's got offers from everybody and and you know, every school that he could possibly want: Utah, USC, Oregon, Gonzaga, BYU, Utah State, Sanford, Arizona. So the Pac-12 is all over him, and there's no doubt about it that they, that he's a very coveted player by a lot of different programs. If Utah's able to land him, now all of a sudden things change, right? Now all of a sudden you're you're a desirable program. Now all of a sudden. Uh, your scheduling gets easier because teams like you because you make their quadrant ranking or their quadrant score better, right? Um, your your literal Q rating helps you become better um, because of recruiting. Right now, we still don't really know what this team has to offer, and I think it kind of makes sense, you know, with uh, the fact that. Utah did not get a lot of games on national TV this year. Of the 29 regular season games for Utah, 24 of those were going to air on the Pac-12 networks or uh, ESPN Linear or FS1. So those are are definitely games that are desirable. Um, But there are five games that still haven't been decided quite yet. Uh, We know for sure that the home opener will be against Abilene Christian. That'll be on Pac-12 networks. Along with the rivalry game against BYU, uh, so then the youths will be uh, again on the Pac-12 networks at a 9.30 Mountain Time tip Wednesday, December 1st, as they travel to USC to play tr- the Trojans at the Galen Center, and then they'll come back home to play Cal at 3 p.m. Mountain Time um, before they finish out their non-conference schedule after that, because again, the PAC 12 is adding two conference games in the non-conference schedule. Something that I really think is actually a smart maneuver because you actually get higher quadrant games, but still playing your, your conference opponents and, and thus making your conference appear more, uh, strong. I I think already the PAC 12 is going to have a much more solid reputation after what UCLA is did last year, after what Oregon did, Hard to say what, what the difference is going to be with COVID and hard to really determine what this basketball team is going to be. You know, there is a lot of promising talent on here. Talked about Lazar uh, Stefanovic, 
Uh, talked about David Jenkins. I am a huge Brandon Carlson fan. I feel like this could be the year that he channels his inner Bill Walton and really busts out. Um, as we're going through the schedule again, um, you know they'll put the Utes will kick off their full Pac-12 conference schedule with a road game uh, at Oregon State at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and then they'll go to play the Ducks on New Year's Day at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, those games will both be on the Pac-12 network. So if you're seeing a theme here, it's that Utah is going to be playing late games on the Pac-12 networks, and that's pretty much the theme for everyone. The uh, lone nationally televised game that they have so far on the schedule is Thursday, January 20th, well, they're, where they'll play uh, UCLA at a 9 p.m. tip on FS1. Uh, again, that's going to be a home game. Um, then uh, Oregon State comes to Salt Lake City uh, for a 7 p.m. tip-off on either ESPN2 or ESPNU um, on February the 3rd. And then uh, Oregon will come to town on Saturday, February the 5th. That's uh, That time is yet be, yet to be finalized, but that game will be on FS1. Um, so then we'll have another one on ESPNU at 9 p.m. against Stanford. Uh, then Utah will get another national TV game um, as the Utes and the Arizona Wildcats square off Thursday, February 24th. 9 p.m. start again on FS1. So it's going to be uh, a late a late night season for, for a lot of these games, and, and Utah's going to be the, you know, if they have any opportunities, it's going to be to do it in that late window. It's going to be interesting to see what the attendance is going to be like with those 9 p.m. tips uh there's you know a couple more games that'll be at 7 p.m the Utes will close up the re- uh, the regular season with colorado at 7 p.m uh on espnu that one will be at the huntsman center and then they'll go to the pac-12 uh, conference tournament so it's just as you can see not a lot of uh really strong scheduling here for the university of utah the tv uh, p- uh times reflect that and this is difficult because I think this is a program that really needs exposure. It's a program that needs to do well this season. It's a program that needs to generate some momentum. You know, uh, I think everybody felt that there was a need. I mean, to a degree, even the coaching staff itself felt like there was a need uh, to clear the air up at the University of Utah and inject some new life into things. The way that it all went down, losing so many players to the transfer portal and, and having to rebuild the program. And I don't know that you necessarily, you know, you look at where all the transfers went and who's coming in and who you replace it with. Uh, you definitely don't have the same kind of star power. Um, but that's not to say that these players aren't going to fit the, the the program and and uh, the the system a little bit better for Coach Greg Smith. That, however, might not be enough to make them a TV darling, as the youths will be Cinderellas for sure, playing wee into the night almost every single game this season. And if that has you all hot and bothered, I got something to help you out with that. It's Sweat Block, doctor created, doctor recommended, works for up to seven days per use. Sweatblock comes with a dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by firefighters. Yes, the people who deal with heat the very most. Uh, it's also a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, over 13,000 reviews. It is currently number one in the Amazon antiperspirant category. So if you need any more evidence that it works, there it is for you right there. Best part about it, manufactured right here in the good old U.S. of A., 
the best part about sweat block for me is that you can wear what you want to wear. It is a secret confidence builder that you won't be sweaty. You can pick the colors you want. So if you're like me and you're a big fan of a nice eggshell blue or maybe a whisper pink, those are great colors that if you're sweaty, don't look as great. And that's why sweat blocks the great. Uh, the best, the best. Um, you know, it's not something that I love talking about as being all sweaty, even though it happens very often in my life. But uh, the best part about sweat block is, is I just do one wipe before bed and I am dry as a bone for the next seven days. There's all sorts of other great pro- products there. I've fallen in love with the, uh, I, let's call it the man lotion. Like it's, it's, it gives me plenty of moisturization, but keeps me uh, from becoming the swamp thing. And I'm very grateful for that. So is everybody else around me. Sweat block is stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash and go about your day without worrying about sweat guaranteed. So go ahead and, uh, if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweat block. You can get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. Moving on down the road, as the University of Utah announced that Keegan Mark Graff was named a semifinalist for the William V. Campbell Trophy. If for those of you who are like, huh? That is a national award that recognizes the top scholar athlete in college football. For those of you who are saying, who's Keegan Mark Graff? He is a senior long snapper at the University of Utah. And he is probably one of the best long snappers in the country. And, uh, you know, that's a position that I don't think gets a ton of... Attention, Mark Graff is was named a captain because he is so vital to that uh, that aspect of it. Um, and you know, he uh, it's actually a very cool scholarship. So he's one of 176 semifinalists nationally. One of 17 of those uh, 17 of those finalists are actually specialists. Nominees must be a senior or graduate student in their final year of playing eligibility have a GPA of at least 3.2, have outstanding football ability, and have demonstrated strong leadership and citizenship. They will announce between 12 and 14 finalists for the award on October 27th. Fingers crossed for Keegan. Uh, Those of which who become finalists will receive an $18,000 postgraduate scholarship as a member of the 2021 NFF National Scholar Athlete Class Presented by Fidelity Investments, you always have to get those sponsorships in there. So good on you, Fidelity, for forking out all that cash. A little bit about Mark Graff. He's an economics major from Hamilton, Ontario. He's been named to the University of Utah Dean's List three times and to the athletic director honor roll six times. He's a two-time Pac-12 all-academic pick, was had the Cosida Academic All-District First Team in 2019. He was a former walk-on who earned a scholarship in fall of 2019. He ultimately went on to be named a Patrick Manley Award semifinalist in 2020, and he was a special teams captain, obviously, this year. He's appeared in 37 games as a Ute since 2018 and was named the Pac-12 All-Conference Honorable Mention last season. In his Utah career, Mark Groff has provided 197 snaps 81 punts, 31 field goals, 85 PATs. Uh, we can talk about you know how uh, vital or critical uh, his snaps are, but the bottom line is that you know you notice him the most when the snap isn't getting back there. And uh, you know there was a little bit of time where the University of Utah struggled with the long snapper, and Mark Graff stepped up, and he's absolutely stabilized the position. 
I'm not going to try and jinx him with anything and talk about how great he is or how perfect he is, but I can tell you this much. Uh, there is a lot of work that goes into snapping, and it is a very precise uh, activity. It is a grind to work at that. As a former long snapper myself, there is some actual uh, technique to it that is more than just you know your basic snapping the ball, um, and there is a absolute art to uh being a long snapper in the sense that you have to get down the field, you have to be an actual football player, and your job matters more than almost every single person out there whenever you're on the field, and that's a lot of pressure. So uh, for those reasons, and just simply because Keegan is a very entertaining guy, and I've enjoyed listening to him on the Utah podcast that they do with all the football players, I hope he wins this thing, and I hope he gets that 18 grand, and I hope he goes on to a postgraduate uh, career doing something really, really cool and exciting. Um, if that's what he wants to do, or I hope he's playing in the NFL because he's a pretty talented guy. And, uh, you know, I, we don't celebrate our long snappers and our snappers nearly enough. Uh, so here's a shout out to you, Keegan Margroff, the 6'3, 232 pound senior, long snapper. You go get that cheddar, my friend. And you would think that would be the perfect time to transition to something about helping you guys earn some cheddar, but we're going to talk about it in a different way. We're going to help you save some cheddar, and you're going to do that by going to rockauto.com where you can save time and money, really, when you go there. I don't know uh, why you would want to spend 30 50 even 100% more going to an auto parts store or a chain store or a car dealership when you can go to rockauto.com, a family-owned business that has been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Uh, I uh, had to order a wheel bearing from them the other day. Um, that was not fun, but the good news was is that Rock Auto was about 50% cheaper than the store that quoted me the same part. So you can go to uh, explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. There is likely a part there on their website that you don't even realize that you need and or want. Uh, but go check it out today. Go get your cabin air filter cleaned out. Uh, make sure that uh, air is nice, clean, and fresh as you're breathing. Um, listen, there's nothing I hate more than a dusty car or a stank air filter. So go get that thing changed out for all of us. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Finishing things off here on the Locked On News podcast, talking a little bit about what the University of Utah football team is looking into as they start to wrap up their bye week. And I, I think it's worth noting that the candlelit vigil had a lot of uh, a lot of speakers. Coach Whittingham spoke there, along with Mackay Bernard, Clark Phillips, Devin Lloyd, Lacarea uh, Pleasant Johnson, and uh, Jaquin and Jackson. The entire team was there wearing their black warm ups. Obviously, uh, I looked. I wasn't able to attend. I talked to a couple of people who did go. And it looked and seemed like it was a very somber, very moving event, very powerful. Um, and I think there was a reason why they wanted to do it tonight. Um, because at this point in time, uh, they have to find a way to move on. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be uh, preparing for a win against USC or that they have to go out there and practice. But they have to find a way uh, to continue to uh, 
progress through this. And uh, we've talked a lot this week about really sensitive topics. Um, you know, I don't love love talking about a lot of this stuff. Um, it can be hard because I have opinions and thoughts and feelings and emotions just like everybody else. Uh, anger, frustration, sadness, questions, the, the, the ever eternal why. Um, and, you know, I think initially there's a lot of that, right? And then at some point in time, you have to find ways to take your grief and turn it into action. Um, emotions, good and bad, are important. Sadness, happiness, anger, frustration. We have to feel all these emotions because emotions are motivating. Um, motivation is something that I think we tend to only think of in terms of accomplishing something or, or being driven or making a lot of money. And I think their motivation to do all sorts of things, um, both physical, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, uh, financial, uh, there's a lot of reasons to be motivated. You know, for some people it might be motivation to become spiritually uh, fulfilled or, uh, you know, for, you know, physically fit, whatever it is, there, there are, Emotions that typically coincide with that. And I think the emotions of grief that the University of Utah football team are feeling right now need to be channeled into something. So whether that's community service, whether that's getting together, sharing, helping your brothers get through this, you know, helping the community get through this, helping to build and strengthen your community through this, whether it's on the football field where, you know, physical activity can be a great uh, reliever of stress and grief. Um you know, I thankfully never had any uh, teammates that, that were killed, but definitely had accidents and incidents throughout my uh, football career. Had, oh boy, man, as a football coach at one point in time, I think we had five or six players who lost parents during the season. And you want to talk about trying to find a way to get through things um, when a child has lost a parent. Um, you know, you know, we used to talk about, uh, no parent should ever have to bury their child. Um, but also no child should have to go through, you know, the, the most difficult, scary, intimidating parts of their lives without a parent. And so you spend a lot of time giving hugs. You spend a lot of time listening and you spend a lot of time coaxing them, uh, to reengage. And, and it may be a silly, silly, silly comparison, but the scene from Top Gun comes to my mind right now where, uh, Maverick is flying for the first time after Goose has died and, and they're telling him to engage and they're trying to get him to engage and he says, it's it's no good, it's no good, it's no good. And that's really where the University of Utah is at right now is they need to uh, find find a way to get everybody engaged again. And so I think the candlelight vigil, which seems to be the kind of uh, turning point for them in terms of, you know, you've had a few days to deal with the grief and, and this is a way to celebrate and release some of it that, the team performed the Millie, which is the hey, Utah, hey, the clap. Uh, I believe it's a Samoan, I don't want to say war dance, but a Samoan chant. Um, and I've always been fascinated. You know, we look at the Haka and we think that it's such this, you know, powerful, intimidating uh, 
dance and, and really, you know, what they do it for is for emotion and they do hakas of grief. Uh, they do hakas of happiness, sadness, weddings. It's really more just an expression. And I think it's important to note that, you know, when they do the haka, the, the screaming is, is an emotional aspect. And so um, maybe there was some some symbolism, some semblance of, of thought with doing the milli there as a way of expressing um, that emotion through, you know, through, uh, through noise and through action together as a group. And to kind of motivate them to move forward into the next phase. And I think the next phase is beginning to prep for USC. The athletic department is obviously going to handle the off-the-field stuff, finding ways to memorialize uh, Aaron Lowe um, in addition to Ty Jordan. And uh, I, I do believe that there are some some plans in place. Uh, nothing has been finalized yet. And, and really... On, on some aspects, like how could you really have anything finalized and ready to go? Like how could you make any decision at this point in time where everybody's still just dealing with and translating it? You know, you can tell just how heavy the hearts are for everybody is through the tweets and everything like that and just the few people that I've been able to talk to. It's it's really just been so uh, trying. You know, I think it's just been very, very trying. And so... The next step is to get those guys out back on the practice field. Um, you know, get them working together. Uh, I don't think you push hard. I don't think you, uh, you know, as a coach, it's an incredibly difficult time because you still have to coach. You still have to get guys uh, to make progress, but you have to do it in a positive manner. It's going to require a ton of energy, and you have to know that those coaches are hurting. Uh, just as much, if not more, than the players. Um, and so because of that, you know, this is a week where they really have to dig deep and, and provide a lot of positive reinforcement, a lot of positive energy, so that as those guys are getting out on the football field and they're reengaging these activities, uh, that it feels meaningful, that they feel like there's a positive environment there, one where they can forget about things for a little bit and spend some time together, uh, using you know physical activity, using growth, using progress. You know, I if it were me, I would start the next two days and I work super super hard on fundamentals. You know, uh, just really get guys getting back into the swing of things by you know kind of going almost with a spring ball mentality of okay, let's get back to work. A lot of individual heavy work. You know, a lot of seven on seven, a lot of one on ones, that kind of stuff. Be very positive. Create an environment of competition, a positive competition, where both sides can be really productive. Get guys feeling good about what they're doing out there again, making them remember why it is that they did this in the first place, why they made those difficult choices to leave home, to come to the University of Utah, where we talk so much about family, where we talk so much about depending on one another, where uh, where the fans care so much about what happens on the field simply because they want to be a part of it and they want to contribute and they want to experience the thrill of a loaded Rice Heckle Stadium and the cheers. You know, I thought that was one of the, my favorite moments of the game uh, against Washington State was when Clark Phillips internet intercepted the ball and finally everybody just released that cheer and and it felt like they finally had captured some momentum that the team had lost and that there was so much joy and uh, happiness and, and undulation. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but we're going to roll with it just for this point in time. And that's what you need to get back to reminding them of is is those moments that they are playing for. Because 
up until this point, up until you know the last few days, they've likely been thinking about what they've lost. And now it's time to think about what they have, what they've been given, and what they can do with their loss to give back to others. That's it for today's episode of the Locked On Youth Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Uh, as always, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, tell your friends about us. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Utes. Email the show, LockedOnUtes at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, anything like that, DM myself uh, at BrownBearSLC or at Jacob C. Hatch. I want to thank everyone who has reached out and said something to check up on me, to check up on Jake. It is very appreciated. Uh, I I should point out that the reason that this is hard is because I'm not good about talking sad stuff. Uh, I can do the happy stuff and I can do the breakdowns really, really well. I just don't have the same kind of confidence when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, Having said that, I am incredibly blessed to be surrounded by good people in my life. Um, a lot of you who listen to this, I consider, you know, to fit that mold. And so thank you, everybody, for the support. It's been uh, it's been exceptional, and I am extremely grateful for it. I doubt my gratitude will ever run out, but I doubt my gratitude will ever be enough to pay people back for that. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for September 30th, 2021. And we'll see you again next time.